Hello and welcome to our 11th episode of the unofficial SAP on Azure Video podcast. Today is October 1st and together with Robert and Goran, we are here to talk about anything related to SAP on Azure. Today we are recording a session that we had actually previously recorded two weeks ago, but we had some audio issues and that's why we are just um, repeating the session today and hopefully um, this time um, it will work. We have our special guest, um, Chitan, who will talk about Azure Active Directory and success factors integration. But before we don't go there, um, let's again quickly look back at what happened this week. So, hello everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. So we had Ignite and um, obviously like what we talked about last time, we, we announced a few sessions or we highlighted a few sessions and um, in the meantime, I actually had also time to watch a few more sessions. And um, one of the sessions that we would like to highlight um, is this session from Navneet about um, running mission critical workload um, like SAP in, in Azure for business resilience. Um, in this session, Navneet talks about um, Azure in general, um, some of the components, why it makes sense to run really mission critical workload, what specific virtual machines we have available in Azure to really run, for example, some something like Azure. So I think this is definitely um, also a very, very interesting session to uh, to watch. And another one in the similar context, obviously, um, of, of, of running SAP um, workload in Azure is um, this session by Irene about um, unlocking cost savings. So um, I think Robert already in, in previous um, episodes um, talked about how to look out for for some of these cost savings um, that we can have um, in Azure, and obviously here, uh, yeah, Irene is also talking about this. So another quick session. So all these sessions are are like thirty minutes or or less. So I think also something um, interesting to uh, to watch out. And then a last one is about migrating. Um, so Jeremy is talking about um, how you can actually migrate um, SAP work or not only SAP workload to Azure. And he highlights um, or he talks about one specific customer, um, Kenna Metal, who also migrated their SAP um, environment from on-prem into the Azure cloud. So, so again, I think um, uh, an interesting session um, to watch. And then, obviously, we we talked about this before. Um, Chitan, who who you'll um, see live or more or less live in, in a few seconds, um, he also had a session during Ignite. Um, I think Chitan, I, I have to admit, I haven't watched it yet, but I think um, you you also talk about the Azure Active Directory and um, success factors integration. But I think um, now, obviously, you'll get a um, a personal insight from him um, as well. So before we go um, to, to Chitan, there's one brand new block um, by Martin. Um, so previously, Martin already had talked about um, principal propagation from um, Azure Active Directory, sub cloud platform, and now he basically extended um, his block. Uh, he, he talks about really the, the full end-to-end -end, um, principal propagation, um, starting from a user that logs in, in an application using Azure Active Directory, really down um, to an SAP system on premise. There's also a nice um, or a fairly full um, architecture overview that talks about the, um, the, the flow. So you really start um, with an application um, on Azure Active Directory, and then there's this full authentication flow. Um, that it really goes down to um, uh, you don't see it here to to your to your SAP system which is running on premise using the SAP Cloud Connector. So I think that's um, that's a very very important very interesting scenario right now. And like always, Martin has put a lot of effort in this. So there's a very very detailed um, documentation how to get started. And I think it's it's definitely worth to uh, to check out and. Uh, yeah, and, and, and try it out and, and um, do it by yourselves. So one last topic um, that was also or that we, we just stumbled across um, is um, a so-called Microsoft Digital Defense Report that was um, just released um, last month. 
and it's a fairly big report. It's like 88 pages. Um, but what I like there a lot um, is that Microsoft provides some some insights um, about uh, how we react to um, certain security attacks and 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 how do we get these these informations. Um, what what happened in in the recent month, especially now with um, COVID nineteen, for example, how did um, scammers use this information or use the situation to try to to hack to influence using um, uh, spams, um, um, prepared emails, and stuff like that. So I think this this document um, provides a really nice overview. So let me actually jump, for example, to. Um, the COVID situation. Um, so, so you can see um, the cybercrime um, activities, and obviously there there was a spike in in March, or actually here in in March, but then also in June. And you can see that a lot of things um, happened um, in the US. While, for example, when when we look at the UK, where uh, COVID nineteen had a different um, had a different uh, flow or impact. Uh, the the attack vectors were also um, quite different. So it's a very long report, like said, but I think it's definitely worth to to take a look and and maybe also learn some of um, the things that um, Microsoft detected there and how Microsoft is is uh, yeah, monitoring these informations or analyzing these information and then also um, making some some actions out of this. At the end. Let me, uh, there's also an, an actionable learning sessions with some um, recommendations. So use multi-factor authentication, go passwordless. So I think a lot of things that obviously are also in, in Achitan's domain when it comes to Azure Active Directory and, and some of the functionalities that we can obviously also use in the context then of, of success factors. But in general, I, ju I just thought this is a, this is a um, quite interesting um, report. So. Um, Maybe it's also interesting for for some of our listeners. With this, I think, um, Chitan, maybe you can quickly introduce yourself, and then I'm really looking forward um, to the presentation and the demo that you have prepared. Yeah, hi everyone. My name is uh, Chetan Desai, and I'm part of the Azure AD PM team, uh, focusing on our inbound integrations with HR systems. Uh, and also how we integrate uh, with the SAP cloud platform in terms of uh, provisioning users and automating the access lifecycle management there. Uh, so with that, I'll have a slide deck. I'll share my screen and let's walk through what we are doing in this space of uh, SAP success factors and cloud platform integrations. You know, once you can Perfect. see my screen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, in terms of agenda, uh, I was going to focus on our success factors, uh, inbound integration features and benefits. We'll deep dive into the tech details there, uh, how to deploy the solution, followed by a demo, and I'll leave behind uh, some resources that you can use to uh, further explore this solution. Okay, so with that, uh, first let's talk about the uh, motivation and uh, context of uh, why we build this feature and what problems uh, these addresses. Uh, and with that, first let's take a look at how uh, SAP customers have um, different SAP solutions and how Azure AD fits into that whole uh, story of enabling hybrid scenarios. So uh, what you see here is a typical SAP customer landscape where you have SAP success factors maybe as the HR system, uh, you have on-prem SAP applications, you have cloud applications like analytics, marketing cloud, and uh, of course you have uh, the identity authentication service uh, and identity provisioning service from SAP. Okay, And you also have other non-SAP applications also in the mix. Uh, with Azure AD, we are trying to bring all these applications together in a way that you can manage single sign-on and uh, provisioning from Azure AD. And what we uh, recently announced is the general availability of our success factors integration with Azure AD, which means you can now directly bring in authoritative identity data from SAP success factors 
employee central into Azure AD. And then once that identity is in Azure AD, uh, you can enable single sign-on for uh, any applications that the, that that person needs access to using Cloud Platform IS and uh, Azure AD, where you configure Azure AD as the primary IDP or the corporate IDP, and uh, uh, IS serves as the proxy IDP. And I think uh, the the blogs that Martin has put together around principle propagation also show how uh, these two systems can seamlessly communicate between each other, sharing tokens um, uh, for authentication. Okay. Uh, and then another uh, cool thing we are working on is a skim-based integration with the cloud platform identity provisioning service. Uh, what that means is that uh, IPS provides a rich set of connectors for uh, SAP applications, and we don't want to reinvent the wheel there and uh, create uh, provisioning connectors to all these uh, applications that IPS already supports. So we provide a, a connector to IPS, <clears throat> which you can configure to any of these applications. Okay, so with that, uh, let's deep dive into the topic of today, which is success factors and Fly Central and its integration. Uh, so when you look at success factors employee central, you are essentially looking at the world of HR, where uh, HR is responsible for hiring new employees, managing the changes that take place. Uh, it could be department level changes, job level changes, uh, things like long leave, resignation, termination, which, which is also called as joiner mover lever scenarios. And these joiner mover lever scenarios impact the world of IT. So from an IT admin perspective, every time there is an joiner mover ever event that translates into a corresponding action of either creating an account, updating the account, uh, updating the uh, location, department, managing licenses, and so on. And traditionally, this has been done using custom scripts. Uh, some of some customers are actually engaging IT help desk to create, update, and uh, remove these accounts. I know a company which has uh, a team of 11 help desk people to just manage this uh, task of uh, seeing who's got created in HR in success factors and creating an account for them in uh, AD. And then you, you, some companies rely on SFTP or CSV file exports and import procedures, and there are some others who are using third-party provisioning tools. And when we spoke to the customers who are uh, using these methods, uh, we we understood from them that they are there are there are problems with all these approaches in one way or the other. Like for example, with custom scripts, there is an operational overhead. Uh, oftentimes it happens that the consultant who developed the script no longer is working, and so managing that script becomes a problem. Uh, IT help desk has its own overheads and uh, it's prone to manual entry errors. Uh, similarly, uh, relying on CSV file exports and imports means that if, if one batch load fails, then maybe you would be out of sync for the next batch load and you could have a backlog of CSV files to process. Uh, and finally, there are companies who also want to consolidate the cost and uh, uh, move to one provisioning platform for uh, all the integrations. So with this, uh, with, the, with this feedback in mind, what we decided was we went ahead and created a more modern approach for uh, integrating with success factors, uh, which uh, supports all the standard joiner mover lever processes and takes care of different scenarios right from a new employee hire uh, to termination and also uh, all the other processes in between, right from worker conversion, uh, main, main, making sure that any manager changes that take place, those get propagated downstream and so on. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, was there any question? So, uh, yeah, basically it's an out of the box integrated solution A. B, it's a cloud service, which is a new modern way and ideal way to um, have a, any possible solution here, right? No files, copying is just a cloud service. Absolutely, yeah, that's th th that's what makes it effective. Uh, and, and as you see in the slide here, uh, for, for customers who are using P1 or E3 license, which is most of our customers, 
it's just out of the box. They can start using this right away. So we are actually somehow merging different responsibilities. So for one side, we have a business user and sub success factor, this HR. Uh, <laughs> Uh, cloud, so to say, and we have this IT, which is more active directory part. Yeah, but uh, one question: um, What? I mean, maybe it's wrong, but uh, what is the leading system here from oh, user content perspective? Yeah, the leading system here is always uh, SAP Success Factors okay. uh, because we we believe that is the authoritative source of all the employee data. Uh, however, there, there could be certain attributes on the user profile, like for example, uh, phone number or email, which is an IT, which are which are IT managed attributes. Uh, so we provide the ability for uh, the integration to write back those attributes to success factors. Okay. Because the error is in both sides between success factor and Azure Active Directory, what I see. Yeah. Right. So it's a flexibility. So you can do either in success factor or maybe they would do an Azure Active Directory and both sides would be synchronized. Yeah, but you know, this this is leading for for huge simplification of customer landscape. You know, uh, in today, probably most of the small applications are, you know, connecting directly to the backend systems because they want to sure, sure that they have the valid authentication mechanism and so on. But now those systems, because they in most cases don't need to have business data, they just, you know, want to uh, authorize themselves against the, the, the valid identity provider. Now they can actually simplify that and go directly to Microsoft Azure because everything is in sync with this business repository from from user perspective and the landscape is much more simple than you know small application like you know opening garage and all the stuff which which have a list of users in their cards and out and all those stuff I mean you don't need anymore to go directly to backend systems you can go over at Microsoft Azure and then rely on that fact that everything is already in sync Mm-hmm. That, that, that's right. And that's a, it's a great point because with that, if you see some of our uh, quotes that we have got from customers and partners in this regard, uh, like the first quote there, uh, in this case, the customer just had a big problem of making sure that job titles, location, manager data, this is uh, in sync between success factors and Azure AD. Uh, and this uh, deploying the solution uh, help make sure that this consistent HR data that is driving their IT and business processes. Mm, uh, and then for a partner, um, uh, this is a big advantage because they don't have to get into um, the business of developing one, one more connector for another HR system. Exactly, they could yeah. just okay. use this custom uh, out-of-the-box connector here. Mm, yeah. So, and For me, that, that's one of the most important factors here. Um, I mean, I, I think every customer that has success factors, um, a lot of these customers obviously also have Azure Active Directory. And I think for all of these customers, that is an issue today. They have built these custom scripts, very much like what you just said before. They hired a consultant um, that, that created the script and it's working fine and so on. But then the consultant leaves and then all of a sudden the script is not working at some point in time anymore. And then what do you do? So so with this, this is an, an, an standardized offering and SAP is all about standardization, so to say. And with this offering, we, we really have this native integration that allows you to connect the two components that you have in your company anyways directly with each other without the need to have these like what is here, this complex custom connectors, but it's already delivered by Microsoft and SAP. So I think that that's really, really beautiful. Na native and supported, right? Yeah, actually, yes, so, native and supported. Yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, with that, yeah, let's go into a deep dive of the integration to see uh, what's, uh, how do you go about uh, configuring this and what are the prerequisites? Um, so we're calling out the prerequisites here. The first thing is uh, you need a success factors integration account that you can use with Azure AD. And this account uh, needs to have the capability to invoke uh, the employee central OData APIs and um, role-based permissions to read person, organization, and employment data 
And in case you are interested in configuring the write back, uh, then permission to write email and phone number back to success factors. Uh, then uh, the next prerequisite is you may want to uh, add the Azure AD IP range to the success factors allow list. Um, and then the next one talks about uh, if you, so, so there, there are two flavors of the integration. One is where you directly integrate it with Azure AD. And the second is uh, if you want to integrate it with on-premises AD. And uh, that's where if you want to directly integrate with on-premises AD, there is a provisioning agent that you have to uh, deploy and configure on-prem. It's a lightweight agent uh, that takes care of that last mile uh, updates to uh, the Active Directory. And then as I said, the licensing requirement at a minimum P1 or EMS P3. But that's also really important, I think, to highlight. So this is not only a solution that works with Azure Active Directory. So if I already have Office 365 and I completely got rid of all my on-premises state, but even yeah. if I have an Active Directory on-prem, I can still use this functionality. So I can still use um, the whole onboard that, yeah, like what you'll show yeah. hopefully in a second, that a new employee um, is onboarded in the success factors and I get this information also in my Active Directory on-prem which obviously yep. is a very important requirement. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then uh, with that, uh, what is the, the next question, logical question that comes up is what data we are pulling from success factors, right? So we pull in the person information, basic first name, last name, uh, contact information, employment information, and job position information. Uh, uh, that's, that's out of the box. Uh, and then we also provide, I mean, one of the feedbacks we received during the public preview of the solution is that every success factors tenant, uh, every success factors instance is different. Uh, you could configure different attributes, you could add custom attributes. So we wanted to provide a way that you can pull any attribute from success factors employee central. So we have a mechanism called JSON path, which is a, a standard way, just like XPath is used in the XML world. There's something called JSON path to work with JSON files. So we have a generic JSON path reader, which you can use to pull any attribute from success factors. Uh, of course, the admin uh, still retains control on uh, what attributes they are willing to expose from the OData APIs. But as long as that permission is there, you can pull any data from success factors. Cool. Okay, um, so let's look at a quick schematic of other components involved in this solution and how it works. Uh, so we have a service within Azure Active Directory called the Azure AD provisioning service. And whenever any data change happens in your success factors employee central, whether it's a new hire, update, or termination, uh, the provisioning service is constantly polling uh, this employee central to see if there have been any changes. And if there are changes, it gets those changes here as part of step two. And then as part of step three and four, it uh, uh, writes that change to your on-prem active directory. And then once you, once it's there in the on-prem active directory, you, uh, you most customers already have uh, AD Connect, which they can use to bring that change into Azure AD. And then finally, the write back component, which is step seven, where we can write back uh, attributes like email, phone number, even uh, things like SAM account name or user principal name, which you want uh, to send from Active Directory to success factors. This is very, very crucial um, for some single sign-on configurations to work. So we also allow you to write back those attributes. Uh, so one question for this picture. I mean, if I go to one, two, three, and I'm going over AD Connect provisioning agent to to update the Active Directory. Why I cannot go directly to Azure Active Directory and then uh, rely on a synchronization between AD Connect and Azure Active Directory? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So uh, the 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 reason for that is uh, if you see, uh, I think a lot of our customers, um, I would say probably seventy percent of our customers. Uh, operate in this hybrid mode where the on-prem Active Directory still serves as the source of ah, thrill okay. for Azure AD. Yeah, uh, and that's the reason why uh, we write first to the on-prem AD and then into Azure AD. 
However, there is a configuration, and that's what my uh, next slide was going to show, is uh, we, we do recognize that you may have certain users who are cloud only and probably never need on-prem AD access. So in that scenario, you can directly integrate just with your Azure AD. Uh, and for those users, uh, information workers who need access to on-prem AD, you can first integrate with on-prem AD and then that same data goes into Azure. Okay. Cool. So full flexibility, yeah, nice. Yes, yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, so let's see, how do you configure this solution? And um, uh, so we'll take a look at some suites here. So we'll first uh, take a look, okay, if, if I'm a customer, I want to get started uh, with the success factors to AD inbound provisioning, then you can get started in seven steps. Uh, let's take a look at those steps. So the first step is you would configure the provisioning agent. Uh, so as I said, this is a lightweight provisioning agent, and what it does is that it, it discovers all the domains uh, in your setup uh, and then registers those domains with your Azure AD tenant. And some decision points in this aspect is um, you want to know how many AD domains you want to integrate with, uh, are they all part of the same forest or disconnected forest? Mm -hmm. uh, because if they are disconnected forests, then you could deploy uh, two provisioning agent sets. One set will talk to the first forest and the second one will talk to the, the second one, the second forest there. So uh, we, we recommend this provisioning agent supports a highly available architecture, which means that you can configure a cluster of these agents uh, and they will all uh, be talking to the same uh, domain or forest. Okay. Uh, moving to the next step, the second step is where you establish connectivity with success factors and configure the OData API permissions. And this is where this is where the success factors admin comes into the picture, uh, where he can help you set this um, uh, set the connectivity with success factors. Mm -hmm. Okay, once those two steps are completed, uh, all the remaining work is actually within the Azure AD portal. And as we go through these steps, I will also uh, bring up my Azure portal to show where you configure these steps. So step three is where you create the SF2 AD provisioning app. So I'm going to switch to my portal screen here. So here, uh, what you see is uh, the Azure AD portal, and I'm in the Enterprise Applications Azure AD App Gallery. And you see we have a node for all SAP applications that we support here for both single sign-on and provisioning. And under provisioning, we have um, four, uh, three applications here, success factors to Active Directory user provisioning, Azure AD user provisioning, and write back. Uh, each for the different scenarios we talked about. And the, the important point to note here is these are all independent apps. So let's say you are not ready today to mm -hmm. uh, do integration of success factors to AD, but you want to start with write back. Just want to make sure that all email and phone number is in sync between your uh, Azure AD and success factors. You can get started with the write back application. Nice. Yeah. And deploy the Azure AD and AD later. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so this is where you go and you create, you select this application and create this app. Uh, I've already created this demo app, so I'll go into the app here. And as you see, uh, I've created this app, and then you go into the provisioning tab. And in the provisioning tab, when you go to edit provisioning option, so this is where you can download the agent binary, um, which you can download and install as part of that step one we showed you. Next is where you actually configure this um, connectivity. So here I have my um, success factors credentials here, along with uh, the credentials to connect to my Active Directory. They are all present here. I have configured the on-prem agents. And once this agent is configured, the next step is where I go and configure the mappings. Okay, so I switch back to slide here. 
So you have created the SF280 app. We go to step four, where we configure the scoping rules. Okay. So what are scoping rules? Scoping rules allow you to define which users from success factors you want to pull. Okay. And why is this important? Because you may uh, your success factors instance may be serving a, a global audience, or it may be serving different subsidiaries. And maybe you want to first do the integration only with one subsidiary and then bring others later. So this is where you configure the scoping rules. So let's go to um, the app here. I click on provision success factors users, and you see here there is a option here called source object scope. Okay. And uh, when I click on the source object scope, it will show me a panel where I can configure my filters based on different attributes in success factors. So here I'm getting users who belong to the department retail finance. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, similarly, I can select any attribute here and use it to define my filter. Okay, uh, it could be location, it could be division, it could be cost center. So these you can use this to define your scoping filter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a bunch of departments here in my scoping filter. Now, once I have defined my scoping filter, the next step is to configure the attribute mappings. What this uh, means is, okay, this is where the decision point here is, uh, which attributes from success factors employee central you want to pull, which attribute you want to use as a matching identifier, uh, which is typically to match records between the two systems. And then more, most importantly, what transformations I want to apply, um, such as I want to make sure that uh, the user principal name is always first name dot last name at contosa.com. Okay, so all those transformations, uh, how do you apply that? That's where you go into the same app and you specify here the success factors attribute and how it maps to your on-prem Active Directory attribute. Okay. Uh, and you can see here I have some transformations as well. So if I go into my configuration page for this app, you'll see when it comes to mapping, I can select these uh, the high level, these three types of mappings where I could do a direct mapping, which means just bring in the value as is. I could do a constant mapping where it's, that attribute is not there in success factors, but I know a constant value I want to set uh, for this. And then the final one is what's called as an expression or the transformation mapping. And here uh, you can use a um, set of expressions and we provide out of the box functions uh, which you can use to uh, actually create these mappings. So here I'm using the join function to concatenate the first name and last name. Uh, I'm using to check how to determine if an account is disabled. I'm using the active employment count. And if active employment count is zero, I'm disabling the account. And Chitan, we do provide us, or let's say I really start from scratch. Um, yeah. We already provide a default mapping. So for example, if I look at email and mail, do we yeah. already provide a certain set out of the box? Yes, yes. We, we uh, Out of the box, we ship a default mapping, and then you, you can uh, further configure and customize it to your needs. Perfect. Great. Yeah. So one, one question, you mentioned that the agent on the premise will is able to work with with complex forests or multiple forests from the domain yeah. side. So if I want to map that, for example, for complex forests or multiple forests, so I need to specify one more map, mapping here or I need to define one more application once more for that specific. Uh, yes, great question. So there, there are two uh, options to that. I mean, you could uh, define the agent to point to the root node of your forest. Okay. okay. Uh, in which case, uh, the, the visibility of that agent is to the whole forest. Okay. okay. Uh, but let us say uh, if, if you are uh, organization with multiple subsidiaries and each subsidiary manages their own domain, uh, so they, may, they don't want visibility at the forest level, they just want at the domain level, uh, then you may want to create multiple apps uh, for okay. this. Okay, yeah. I get it. And, and we've kept it uh, very flexible in that regard because we know it could 
Um, in some some customers prefer a centralized instance. We want to control everything. There's one central IT, but there could be decentralized IT as well. So we, we provide both options. Mm, okay. Okay. And then uh, I think a very common question from system integrators is, um, uh, and even customer requirements is that based on attributes like department or yeah, the yeah. Ah, this Right, you want to so so we also support that uh, ability to route the user into a specific OU in Active Directory based on um, their requirement. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, there's another uh, uh, mapping here which is called um, the select unique value operation. So you want to attributes like user principal name. You want to make sure that they are not duplicated uh, and they are unique across the domain. So we provide a mapping called a expression called select unique value, which in which you can define your business template of how uh, these uh, and this attribute should be uh, populated, and then we use that to uh, when creating the user. And you can specify that this mapping should be applied only during object creation and not during updates or uh, terminations. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the step number five. And once step five is complete, yeah, you're ready to turn on provisioning. Uh, a pro tip here is that uh, there is a new feature that we recently introduced. Uh, it's called the provision on demand feature. Uh, what this allows you to do is if you go back here, there is something called provision on demand. And um, after you have set your scoping rules and mappings, you can Test if your mappings work for a specific user. So you can just enter a user ID here and then click on provision and see if that works for the user. So you know you're good to go. Cool, yeah. So easy, quick test to see if my yeah. user gets replicated, if all the configurations is correct. It's nice, yeah. Once you have a provision on demand turned on, uh, sorry, once you have provisioning turned on, uh, next question that comes is, oh, how do I know everything is working well? Uh, if there are errors, what do I do? So uh, what we recommend there is uh, we recommend that you configure a log analytics. Uh, so we uh, have something called as provisioning logs, which we feed, uh, which can be fed into a log analytics stream. And you can use Custo and Azure Monitor to report on that and create your own alerts, for example, for scenarios when users are when new users are created or when some creation fails or when some termination fails, because maybe that's uh, the most important event you want to track. So you can configure all that. And in, in future, we'll also be releasing um, pre-built workbooks for this provisioning scenario. Yeah. <clears throat> Would be nice to have some kind of examples or already, as you mentioned, pre-provisioned run books. Mm -hmm. Just as an um, easy onboarding uh, way for this additional live scenario. Yes, we are we are working on it, and you you'll see it out there soon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so so with those uh, seven steps complete, let's see. Um, yeah, these were some attribute transformation capabilities wanted to uh, share with you, which we already discussed in our mapping screen. So let's go into the demos now. So I have set everything up, and my first demo scenario is a new hire uh, who's, who's joining the shared services department as a customer service agent. And what IT says is that whenever a person joins shared services, create the account in the shared services OU, generate a unique UPN, and make sure that the manager reference is resolved. Okay, so let's take a look at how that scenario plays out here. So I'm going into the success factors admin console as uh, HR admin and hiring Henry Blake, who is the new employee. And if you take a look at uh, Henry's profile here, uh, we see uh, his basic personal information, and then we go to employment. And things to note here is the, pers the person is in the position of a customer service agent uh, joining the shared services department, and his manager is James Patrick. Uh, we run the success factors to AD provisioning here. And uh, we open the provisioning blade and we see the provisioning logs, right? So I told you this is where we um, show you details of 
the users that were created, updated, and so on. So we see a create record for the user here that user Henry Blake was created in uh, AD in that parent distinguished name, in that OU. Uh, and we got all the attributes uh, right from department, title, user principal name. These were all attributes that the provisioning service uh, got from success factors. And you see Henry's profile here in Active Directory. <clears throat> and we can take a look at the timestamp. Uh, the user was hired on 8.17 and uh, on the same time uh, in the next thing cycle, we see the user's data coming in from success factors. And uh, the most important thing is we also see that the manager reference has been resolved. And the unique UPN and SAM account name are also generated for Henry. Okay, so with this, you can see how you can quickly onboard new users from success factors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, next scenario we look at is the department chain. So we have a user, Martin Snow, who moves from shared services to the information technology department. So we'll see uh, here, same scenario. We go into success factors, employee central first, and uh, look up Martin's record. And we use the, we check the position. The uh, Martin is in the customer service agent in the shared services team and reporting to James Patrick. Now we will uh, click on the edit icon there to, yeah, before that, we take a look at Martin's profile in AD where we see the same data is deflected. Okay. Uh, now we hit the edit. Uh, button there to edit the position of this user. And from customer service agent, we will uh, change the position to analyst in the IT department. So you see all those fields have got updated in success factors and the new manager is Joe Flores. And we'll now uh, run the success factors AD sync job. And you will see that if you do the same procedure, you open the provisioning blade, you go to the provisioning logs, uh, we see an entry of update for the user Martin Snow, and that has been updated in AD, and only the attributes that have changed will be pulled, and you will see that data come into AD. Would that <clears throat> update jobs run immediately after the change in success factor, or you run them periodically uh, at certain point of time? Uh, it is run periodically, so we run every, uh, the incremental sync runs every 40 minutes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So what it does is every every time we run the sync, we maintain a, a timestamp as a watermark uh, for since the last time we got the changes in. Yeah. Uh, and the next query, we, we proceed from there. So we only bring in those delta changes. And uh, sometimes, yeah, uh, some customers also, you have the option to uh, override that and initiate a full sync again to just make sure that if there are any changes that have missed or uh, this you want to get all users again, uh, then you can run a full sync as well. Uh, with that, let's go to the last demo scenario, which is about employee separation. So here, uh, Judy Baker, she retires from the retail forecasting department, and uh, we'll see how this translates to the AD user uh, getting the AD account getting disabled. So here, Judy uh, is part of the retail forecasting department, and we see the same uh, AD account. And now we're going to use the termination action and specify a last day of work. And we'll allow it to go through the approval workflows within success factors. And once uh, the employee status is set to retire, uh, the sync job picks this data. And we'll see, uh, again, we go into the provisioning logs. We see that there's been an update. Uh, the key thing to note is we are not deleting the account here in AD. We are uh, disabling the account because we, we, we recognize that in most companies, the process is that you disable the account first, and then maybe uh, 30 days after you want to uh, delete the account or maybe move the account into another uh, disabled OU and so on. Okay. Uh, yep. So those were uh, all the demo scenarios. Uh, we, we know there are different deployment scenarios that could play out. 
I'll just pause here. Uh, any questions? How would generally, I mean, there are many components here, you know, which talk to each other. How about general security here? You know, what could you say? I mean, they have some protocol security or the protocols you store the information about access to success factors. So where is that stored, for example, those kind of stuff? OK, yeah, great, great, great question. So uh, let me use this slide to explain. So yeah. so in terms of uh, security, our connection, so we maintain the credentials to success factors. Uh, so that is your service account credentials. Uh, so that is st stored in the Azure AD uh, secret store. Uh, it's, it's stored in an encrypted format and uh, never exposed. We are working as a as part of our future releases. We are also working on adding support for OAuth uh, based authentication. So uh, you, instead of uh, basic authentication, you can use OAuth. Uh, a best practice we recommend in this case is uh, to configure the IP uh, whitelisting feature. Use the IP whitelisting feature in success factors uh, to only whitelist those uh, Azure AD IP ranges, which will communicate yeah. with success factors. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, just um, you put a smaller, just precise range that yes. you need from the AD. Yeah, right. Uh, and then in terms of our communication with the provisioning agent, so this is uh, uh, so the the provisioning agents communicate with uh, Azure AD uh, over Azure AD uh, uh, service bus, and there is uh, it's uh, only Azure the only the Azure AD tenant can talk to the provisioning agents. Okay. Uh, and you cannot uh, just send a request to the provisioning agents. There is a certificate-based uh, authentication between the two systems. And for the provisioning agent to AD domain, uh, this is something managed on-prem. You create a service account, and you give the service account the permissions to only update uh, those OUs in which you want to manage the users. Uh, you, the provisioning agent doesn't require full domain admin credentials. Yeah, you can lock it down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, and in future we also plan to add support for uh, the GMSA accounts, which are more like managed service uh, accounts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any sense. other questions? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Um, yeah. So I wanted to just share some of the deployment scenarios we have seen. Yeah, the most simple deployment scenario is where you are integrating with a single domain. Uh, we also support the ability to configure with multiple domains. And I think to the question asked previously, you could either have an app uh, per domain, or if you point to the root domain uh, with what with referral chasing turned on, you can also just have uh, one uh, app for all of these. Uh, and then if you have disconnected or dis disjoint forests, uh, then we recommend configuring two sets of provisioning agent groups. Uh, and then there are scenarios like merger acquisition scenarios where uh, you want multiple support for multiple success factors tenants uh, and similarly multiple AD domains on the other side. Yes, we support that as well. Cool. cool. Uh, yeah, so, so a lot of thought has gone into bringing this feature uh, to our customers and making sure it caters to all the various permutations and combinations um, of deployment and other scenarios. Uh, this, this slide just talks about the, the key features and benefits that customers are uh, realizing with this feature. Very nice, yeah. Yep. Uh, and with that, I think I'm to my last slide here, which uh, where I leave behind some learning resources and references, which you can also add to the uh, to the description of the YouTube video. Absolutely, because I, I I guess a lot of customers that that are listening, um, they have success factors, they have Azure Active Directory, and so I guess um, a lot of them would be very interesting to to test this out. So I think we we have tutorials here, we have documentations there to really help me get started and and yeah, test it out this scenario. Yes. Great. Perfect. I mean. So, that's it. Beautiful topic. I mean, maybe a little bit um, not so much emphasized, you know, in a, in my backend world, you know, SAP yeah. on Azure. 
but extremely important for every day-to-day. -day. I mean, single sign-on, cr crossing, being flexible, synchronized. I mean, excellent. Very valuable, yeah. Oh, perfect, Chitan. I, I think this is this is really, really helpful. And as you said, we will just take these, these notes and put them also in the description of the video so that um, everyone can uh, access them easily and, and give it a try. Um, I think it's definitely worth it if you have success factors, if you have Azure Active Directory, just um, test it out. Yes. Okay. Maybe, maybe just any, <laughs> if you're allowed to say, any plans future for other SAP components integration scenarios ab above and beyond this success factor? Um, yes, there are. We are looking at, uh, um, as I showed in the previous slide, I mean, one thing is uh, through success factors, uh, identity provisioning service, we want to make sure we support provisioning into SAP applications, uh, the different SAP cloud applications. Uh, and then uh, I think another key component, especially from a HR uh, inbound user provisioning scenario we have seen is the ask for integration with field glass, SAP field glass. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, because that's used for a lot of contractor management. Uh, we, we we do want to also support that and uh, also the ability to, uh, some customers don't want a direct connection to success factors and would like uh, uh, a staging SQL table uh, support. So, so we are also looking at exploring a, a generic HR integration mechanism as well. Okay. Cool. So you don't stop. <laughs> oh yes, there's, there's a lot of things to be done here. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good. Perfect. I think with this we are at the, at the end. Um, Chitan, thank you so much for joining and joining again. So so hopefully um, the the audio worked this time. Yeah. Um, I, I hope to see you again sometimes, maybe when we have the field class or some, something similar. Um, so yeah, yes. thank you very much. I think that was very insightful. Thank, thank you. you again for having me. Good, Great. with this, okay. thanks everyone and talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.